Greetings, another Boilers Extra podcast uh, coming at you. It's Friday, October the 23rd, and what a busy week in Purdue athletics, Purdue football. Busy, busy, newsy, good news, bad news, okay news, sad news, I guess. Uh, But yeah, it's been a hectic week uh, around the Purdue football program. Starts with Jeff Brom. Testing positive for COVID-19. Other people in the building testing positive for COVID-19. Jeff Brom not able to be on the sidelines. Purdue putting in an appeal to say, hey, can he use a phone to talk to somebody? To Rondell Moore not playing. To we still don't know the starting quarterback. How many other injuries are going to pop up Saturday? There'll be others. So, yeah, it's been a busy, busy week, newsy week. But finally, they're going to play football in the Big Ten. Actually, they start tonight, Illinois-Wisconsin. Badgers about a 20-point favorite with a a new quarterback. Seems high to me. Illinois got some pieces back. They got their quarterback back, offensive lines intact. I think the Illini can stay with them. But we're not here to talk about the Illini, at least not this week, maybe next week. But anyway, uh yeah, busy week. Jeff Brom's out of the game. Cannot have any communication uh, with players or coaches. Uh, uh, 90 minutes. It stops at 90 minutes before kickoff, which is at 340. Uh, so he can talk to team coaches um, all the way up till then. Uh, word came down today that uh, Purdue's appeal to allow him uh, phone communication uh, was denied, which is not a surprise. Uh, I don't think the NCAA Rules Committee is ready to change that rule on the fly. They they didn't change it for Nick Saban uh, last week. You know, eventually he didn't need it, but they were not going to change it uh, this week at all. They need to. I mean, there's there's merit to it. There's a little bit of merit to it because of the COVID situation, where you have, you know, Jeff Brown's not the only coach to uh, to test positive. Uh, for the coronavirus and then has to isolate at home. Uh, So this is new territory. Maybe it's something the NCAA does address and maybe provide some sort of relief for, for coaches uh, that are stuck at home that can't do it. What, I mean, what happens in basketball season? Same thing. A basketball coach gets COVID has to isolate at home, misses two games, but he's sitting there watching on TV. He, you know, will he be allowed to communicate with uh, somebody on the bench? Uh, probably not. Uh, but it's probably something they, they need to have a, a deeper discussion on. Maybe it shouldn't happen uh, at the end of the day where you, you keep everything right there um, and you go through the, the, the pros and cons of, you know, what's an advantage, what's a disadvantage type thing and uh, kind of go from there. But, yeah, you know, I would I would expect a, a a deeper discussion on this over the next months or weeks, just to to, to flush it out and see if see if 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 it's possible. And but again, I, I don't I, I don't think anything will change here in the immediate future. Might be something for down the line that uh, that they consider. But anyway, yeah, Jeff Brown will not be coaching the game at least the way he's used to coaching the game. He'll be coaching the game from his house or pool house or some spot in his house he'll be coaching the game that way but I don't think anybody's going to be able to hear him uh, 
I think his family will probably be at the game, and it's better off if he's left alone to do and say what he needs to say to himself while the game is on TV. Uh, Brian Brom will call the plays. It's the first time Brian will call plays in a game. Now, he's a former quarterback, very excellent quarterback at Trinity High School in Louisville and then uh, at Louisville and then in the NFL. I think, you know, Brian's demeanor um, is solid. You know, I think he uh, he will do a good job, but there is a rhythm to play calling. There is a um, There's a science to it, and doing it for the first time um, when you get a week in advance. Now, granted, they've, you know, Jeff has turned over some play calling during practice, during when they run the young players around uh, to, to Brian and Jamarcus Shepard. But, you know, it's a game. You know, there's, there's only 40 seconds on that clock. Uh, you know, things are flying around. You got people talking in your ear. Um, you know, not only Brian going to call a play, he's going to be the acting head coach. So he's got, he's got things he has to think about two plays down the line, three plays down the line, as far as going for it on fourth down, kicking a field goal, are we going to punt type of thing. So there's a lot going to be going through his mind. I, again, I think his demeanor will allow him to handle it, uh, pretty well. Um, and it's just, you know, I think it's just a matter if he can get into kind of a rhythm. He knows, he knows the, the, the team, you know, he knows the players on the team. He knows the personnel, he knows the playbook. He knows what should work against Iowa. Um, it's just, you know, picking the right plays at the right time and getting the right matchup out there. And I, you know, Jeff, Jeff's strength, uh, by far is his play calling. I, I think he's an excellent play caller. Um, there's a rhythm to it. Not perfect. Nobody is, but um, that is his strength. And I, you know, I, and people have asked me through the week: is how big of a deal is it that Jeff Brom won't be on the sideline calling play? If Jeff Brom was just the head coach and he was the CEO on game day, where he he stood back and let you know his coordinator call the plays and all that kind of stuff, he was just listening in. He just had to make decisions on you know fourth down decisions, punting decisions, field goal decisions, all that kind of stuff. I would say no, not a big deal. And a lot of coaches are like that. They have their coordinators. They let them do it. Uh, you know, they've, they've prepared themselves all week. So, you know, he's, you know, there are a lot of coaches that are comfortable like that. But Jeff is actually the play caller. And I think, I think this is a, a bigger deal. Uh, it's not a, well, Purdue will now lose because of it. But not having Jeff calling those plays uh, will be a factor. I mean, I don't think you can deny that fact that um, not having him on the sideline, not having him, uh, not having his his experience out there won't play a role uh, in this game. Now, you know, again, Brian can can do the job. He's not going to do it like Jeff. He's going to do it like Brian. And, you know, that's the one thing I think you need to understand about the Brahms is that, you know, Jeff and Greg are older. Than, than Brian, you know, we're talking like 10 plus years, 12 plus years, but anyway, Brian's kind of his own, his own guy. And he works with the quarterbacks really well. And the times that we've been able to, to watch practice. And again, I like his demeanor. I like, I like what he does, but now he's going to do it on a bigger stage. He's got more responsibility, but to think it won't factor into the game I think would be wrong. I think it will factor into the game. It's just a matter of how much it factors. It could, it could factor in a positive way for Purdue 
into the game because Iowa, you know, with so much scouting, so much of the analytics that are out there, and I'm sure college teams study play callers and how they do it, you know, when they, you know, when they call certain plays, when they're going to take their shots type of thing. So, but Brian has no history. So that could work into Purdue's favor a little bit. Now, um, I'm sure Jeff has spelled out to Brian, hey, when you get this situation, do this, the, you know, another situation, do that type of thing. And I, you know, and I think this will be Jeff's, you know, for the most part, this will be Jeff's game plan uh, that, that tries to get executed on Saturday. But when Brian's sitting there and he's got to call the plays, he's going to have to do it. And so curious how that works out. Uh, again, I think it'll be a factor, but it could also work in uh, work in Purdue's favor. And then uh, earlier today, uh, Purdue did announce that Rondo Moore would not be uh, playing on Saturday, which, you know, this is something that, you know, been hearing all week uh, that he would not play. Um, and this is, um, this is injury related, but not a severe injury type of thing. It's not one that is a season ending thing. Um, but, uh, I, I can tell you that this basically, um, this was a Rondell Moore decision. Um, Rondell has elected not to play. And, um, I, I believe the medical people were, were confident that he could play, but, uh, you know, Rondell doesn't share that confidence at this time. So, uh, he's not going to play. Um, and I don't expect him to be at the stadium uh, on Saturday. And if you remember last year, you know, he got hurt against Minnesota. You know, we knew he wasn't coming back the next week or the week after that. But he got a little bit deeper into the season. You know, and Purdue had a bye week or an open week in, in November and thought, okay, well, maybe he would get back for the last two games. Well, it didn't happen. And I, I'm not going to sit here and vouch for the severity of the injury last year. I mean, it was it was bad last year. Uh, but, you know, you hear different things and uh, you're not sure what to believe. So, I mean, um, but anyway, I thought there was a chance he might come back, but he didn't come back, and that's fine. Uh, but then, as you know, he opted out of the season back in uh, back in August and then opted back in. Uh, the point I'm trying to make here is if you're going to opt back in and the medical people say, hey, you know, it's okay. You know, you you, you suffered this, this, this injury, um, but, you know, you're good to go. But then you don't do it. Uh, I think that... You know, it's not the greatest look in the world, in my opinion. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to bash Rondell. He's a good kid, good guy. Um, but you know, he's, he 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 does have to think about his future. He has to think about what's next for him. Uh, but if you if you're making these decisions based on what's next for you, maybe you shouldn't be at Purdue right now, anyway. You know, if every decision you're making regarding what what's happened this week then maybe you should just go off and train for the NFL. Uh, just, you know, just make that move. I, mean, I don't think anybody would be upset about it. I don't, I don't think it would matter. Y- yes, it, Purdue would lose a valuable player, uh, their top playmaker, a weapon that everybody has to pay attention to. But you know, the one thing I, I don't want to see this is a weekly thing. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? And we know how cagey the Brahms are. They don't want to give out any any information that would put them at a disadvantage, and that's that's the way coaches work, and that's fine. But you know, you also don't want it to be a distraction, and I think it's headed. You know, it might be headed that way a little bit. 
and we'll see. You know, if he gets back on the field next week, if he's if he plays, then you know I think that's that's good for him and good for Purdue. But if this is a lingering type of situation where well he can play but he doesn't want to or he wants to give it another week, I mean he has that right. You know, nobody nobody says you don't. You know, it's it's his right. But you know, if you're worried about what's happening next, if you're worried about getting ready for the draft, then go ahead and go prepare for the draft. And I, I don't say that with any uh, being mean-spirited or anything, but just that's that's his goal. Go do it. And I think I think when he opted out uh, back in August, I think people. I mean, I think his people were disappointed that he wouldn't be around, but we're not surprised, you know, with COVID um, and the uncertainty around. Uh, whether there would be a season, you know, I don't think anybody was 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 uh, upset. They were, you know, fans were upset because you know Rondell having Rondell on your team gives you a better chance to win, obviously. But you know, I think people understood and accepted it. And then when he came back, obviously there was a, a level of excitement uh, because uh, you would have one of the top players in the country, one of the top playmakers in the country on your team and you team you know you get put him next to david bell or put him on the same field and you've got you know you're causing all kinds of problems for for uh for defenses but again i you know i there's still some time to play out in this thing but um you know if it i just don't think this needs to be um needs to be a distraction for purdue this something. This is something that can't, that doesn't need to linger all year. At some point, a decision needs to be made: is he going to play or is he not going to play? And and that's kind of my thoughts on that. Uh, there'll be other injuries on Saturday. The other guys that are out. Um, so look for that. There'll be some key pieces missing. Uh, there's so much swirling around this program right now, from COVID to injuries to you know, a lot of other stuff that you just like, you know, and, you know, how do they go out and, and win a football game against a traditionally strong Iowa team? Granted, Iowa's got a new quarterback. They've got to replace some players on the defensive line. Um, you know, they, they may not be what Iowa has been in the past, but they're still good enough. Uh, they have a good running game, good receivers. But all this stuff swirling around Purdue, you, you you know you wonder, can they can they rise up? And we you know you still don't know about the defense from Purdue standpoint. You don't know what you're going to get, what you're going to see, who's going to be missing from the lineup that you thought would be in the lineup. And you know it's a new scheme, it's a new coach. You got three new coaches on that side, and you know what what's it going to be? I mean, I understand the mystery element and keeping it secret element because you don't want to tip your hand to Iowa, but that's that's part of the unknowns. Every first game brings those unknowns because that's what happens. But you know, this is the first year where I I I have really no idea, at least defensively, what what Purdue is going to present out there, 
you know, after, you know, when, when you cover the program and, you know, they have a consistency with coaches, you get, you know, with Nick Holt, he'd been here three years, kind of had an idea what it was going to be because, you know, you watch three years, you, you watch practices, you had a chance, but with, uh, you know, with Diaco and uh, some of the other new coaches, you don't know. You just don't know uh, what's going to happen. I mean, it does come down to the basic fundamentals of tackling and being in position to make plays, but how's that going to look? I mean, Purdue has to stop big plays. I mean, they gave up 50 passing plays of 20 yards or more last year, which ranked last among Big Ten teams. They've got to stop that. They've got to stop the other big plays. Um, you know, and the other piece is, you know, I, I think Purdue has a chance to have a really good defensive line. But how much are you going to get out of Lorenzo Neal in this first game? I mean, he says he's fine. He said he's he said he's good. Um, but you know, how many plays can he actually play? I mean, he hasn't played since the end of 2018. And there's practice shape, and then there's game shape. You know, George Karloftis is going to do fine. He'll be he'll be well. You know, when they're in a four three, does Anthony Watts line up next to Neal or somebody else? Who's the other defensive end? Is it Watts in a three four? Is it Branson Dean in a four three? The linebackers, you know, Derek Barnes is going to be there. Uh, Demarcus Mitchell, the junior college transfer, will be there. Um, Jalen Alexander will be there, but you know that outside linebacker spot I, I, is still a question. They had moved Jalen Graham down from safety. They had they had also worked with Tyler Coyle uh, at that spot, um, but that's a to me that's a that's an unknown going into this game of what that position looks like uh, if you're using four linebackers out there and um, you know, they may be forced to use more of a uh, an alignment a four three compared to a three four because of circumstances that might prevent them from from putting four linebackers uh, on the field. In the secondary you got some, you got a, you got a couple newcomers with Giovanni Howard uh, at a cornerback. Uh, DJ Johnson, a transfer from Iowa. Um, but these are guys that we, um, I've never seen practice. Uh, so I, you know, I, I really don't know what to expect from them. Corey Trice played well at cornerback last year, had three picks, uh, including one for a touchdown against Maryland. Uh, he looks the part. He looks like he's a guy that could, uh, that can play. And then the safety position, um, you know, you got Brennan Thieneman. Uh, Coyle was supposed to be back there. Um, Simeon Smiley, um, Marvin Grant. Um, it, it, I don't know if it's a tremendously deep position. If you if you lose a guy out of that group, um, you know what what's that going to mean? So I have a lot of uh, questions or just unknowns about what the defense is going to play, how the defense is going to play on on Saturday, and what it's going to look like. I really, you know, I, I I don't have a strong opinion either way. Offensively, you know, Purdue should put up some points regardless uh, if, if Rondell was there or not. You know, you still got David Bell. You still have some some talented receivers there. You know, the question become who slides into the slot receiver spot o- occupied by Rondell, TJ Sheffield. Remember, Jackson Anthrop is out uh, with a shoulder uh, injury. Um, hopefully he gets back by midseason, but he but he'd be a guy that you'd you'd put in right behind Rondell. But T.J. Sheffield was a was a freshman last year, made the travel roster for Nevada. 
assuming that he's made enough progress, he could slide into that spot. Maybe Ahmad Anderson works a little bit in the slot. Heard he was in spring a little bit, but, you know, that, that's such a long time ago. You know, you still got Milton Wright and David Bell out on the edge. Uh, and you've got some newcomers that uh, um, that should get some playing time. You know, I think uh, Jamarcus Shepard said the other day um, on uh, the radio show, coach's radio show, that they'll, they'll, they have a rotation of either seven or eight or six or, six or seven receivers that the, they plan to use. And, you know, I think those freshmen, uh, Colin Sullivan is one that, that might be in that mix. Uh, and where he lines up and what happens. So, um, and then, you know, the running game, Purdue has to establish one. Um, uh, and the offensive line does have experience, and um, they, they should have practiced like they have experience because they do. Uh, everybody on that line has played in a game, uh, at least one, maybe two. Uh, so they, the offensive line needs to take a, a, a step forward and become – um, a, a team that Purdue can run the ball, especially in short yardage situations, to keep drives alive. Um, you know, they've, they've, they brought in a grad transfer from UTEP, uh, Greg Long. Um, ideally, he would play right tackle, but you know, again, we're not we're not absolutely sure. The only thing sure of on the offensive line is that uh, Grant Hermans will start at left tackle. Cam Craig probably starts at left guard. Sam Garvin is most likely your starting center. Uh, but beyond that, I th- you know, I think there's some questions on the uh, um, on the right side as far as who's going to get the start, who's going to get the playing time. But I think they have a little bit more depth, so maybe you see more than five bodies in there uh, during the course of a game. Running back does concern me. Um, they're just not deep there, and they can't afford an injury uh, to really anybody. Um, it's a, it's a very, you know, small room when it comes to bodies. Um, I would expect Xander Horvath to, to carry a bulk of the load, uh, on Saturday. Um, so, um, you know, we'll see how that works out. And, you know, the other question is starting quarterback. Um, again, not going to be surprised if, um, Jeff or Brian Brom says they're going to play two quarterbacks, uh, and I, and I think they'll, they'll, you know, obviously they have a starter. They, they, they identified that starter early in the week. They'll reveal the starter on Saturday. But whoever starts, um, you know, as long as they're productive and they're moving the ball and you're avoiding mistakes, turnovers, um, then, you know, that, per, that that quarterback will stay in there. You know, I don't think you want to disrupt rhythm. Uh, but, uh, but you also have to get somebody else ready to play. I mean, it's just part of it. Um, so curious how that dynamic works out, uh, not only Saturday, but throughout the course of the season, cause you have three capable quarterbacks, um, that you can put in there. The Austin Burton, the grad transfer from UCLA, more of a runner, uh, is, his, uh, his feet strength, strength of his, you know, then Jack Plummer who, uh, who took over for Sindelar last year and then before he got hurt and then Aiden O'Connell came in and finished the season. Uh, as the starter. Uh, so uh, that part will be uh, interesting to watch as well. A lot of interesting things about Purdue this season. It's, you know, it's already been a weird uh, lead up to the game where the Big Ten canceled the season or postponed the season and then brought it back and 
all the protocols and everything. So it, it's it, it's going it, it, to it's weird. Um, I think these people are just eager to to see you know a little trepidation, but I think they're eager to see you know a college football game again. You know, you get a little taste of it Friday night with Illinois, Wisconsin, and then all the other Big Ten teams uh, in play on uh, on Saturday. You know, I was. You know, Iowa's Iowa. You know, they usually don't beat themselves. Strong on special teams. You know, you know, without Rondell, it takes away a weapon on special teams. So you got to figure something else out there in the kick return game and the punt return game. Uh, J.D. Dellinger, you know, I think, had, you know, he really had a good year last year. I think that'll carry over. Some concerns in the punting game from a consistency standpoint. Uh, but we'll we'll see how that, uh, how that plays out. But, again, an interesting week. Um but it is time to actually watch and report on a game. I mean, it just it just is time, and it's been a long time. Um, some will think too long, which I would agree with. You know, I think the Big Ten probably could have started around Labor Day um, and worked its way through this season a little bit better than what it did. But you know, we can sit here and complain about it all we want. But this is. You know, you deal with what you got, and this 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 is what the Big Ten has a nine game season. You know, hopefully you can get to the finish line. Um, and one other note on the on that the crossover games at the end, um, based on what I was told the other day. Um, you know, if let's say for example, both Purdue and Indiana finish fourth in their division, um, and even though they played December twelfth. And they both finish fourth. And when you get through all the tiebreakers, they're still fourth. Then they would play each other in the next week. So you conceivably could have Purdue and Indiana playing in back-to-back weeks. I don't know if you'd like that or not. Uh, Obviously, the bucket would not be involved in that. I don't believe the bucket would be involved in that second matchup. But, you know, Purdue and Indiana are the only crossover game in that last week. Everything else is within the division. So you Purdue and Indiana is the only game you could have back-to-back weeks um, if that would happen. But I, I think the Big Ten's plan is to go straight one versus one, two versus two. And if for some reason those two teams played in the regular season, so be it. Instead of trying to move a team up, move a team down and uh, – now things can change. Things have changed, but that's the latest how how that is uh, uh, expected to play out. Well, we appreciate you stopping by. We'll have a post game report uh, after the game, uh, following uh, Purdue's matchup with uh, with Iowa. It'll be strange. It'll be weird not seeing um, you know what would what we would think would be a full house for this game. Um, there'll be. Oh, maybe 800 fans, actually 800 fans in the stands. Every every player gets four tickets. Every coach gets four tickets. Some support personnel people get four tickets. Visiting team, somewhere between three and 400 tickets. So uh, the crowd may be estimated around 800 or so. Uh, I think there'll be more cardboard cutouts than actual fans. The last total I heard uh, on cardboard cutouts, which you could – Purchase, send in your photo, purchase, maybe get them signed, uh, was around 900. So they may actually have more cardboard cutouts than than fans in the stands. Uh, we'll see if that stays intact. Uh, 
throughout the year. I, I'm a proponent of getting students in there. I, I don't see an issue with putting the band in there. Uh, even if you don't have students, you know, spread them out over on the east side. Give the place some atmosphere. I know they're going to pump in some noise and murmurs and all that kind of stuff. Just, it, you know, just hey, listen. This is a year where there's going to be empty stadiums in the Big Ten. And don't try to change the narrative of it. You know, this is what it is. This is, you know, this is the year. You don't have fans, you don't have fans. Um, but don't try to manufacture noise and stuff like that. I just don't. I don't think that's necessary. I didn't. I didn't like it in Major League Baseball. Um, I, yeah, I've heard a little bit of it on NFL games and some other places, but um, I just don't. I just. I just don't think it's necessary. But that's me, and I would tell you that. Okay, get off my lawn, type of guy. Anyway, appreciate you stopping by. Uh, we'll have a post game uh, pod uh, sometime Saturday night, and. Uh, See what happens on Saturday. I mean, it's it will be uh, um, it'll be interesting to see how everything unfolds uh, until after the game. Have a good day. We and uh, once again, thank you for listening to the Boulders Extra Podcast. <laughs>